Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Chimarasbushi. This is your host, Minion, also known as Rob. So it's not as quiet as it was at some points of, um, of recording this. <laughs> We've got some roadworks going on outside now. There's a helicopter suddenly coming overhead, etc, etc. Um, this episode, yeah, what, what have I got ready for you? Um, well, the first uh, thing I want to talk about is a playtest. So I go for a little walk and I talk about the playtest that we did for Dex, the role-playing game. Um, that's a system being created by Darren Green. Um, after that, oh, that, that sounds like a military friggin' Chinook or something. Yeah, it's a Chinook, a Japanese self-defense force flying overhead. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, so after that, we have... What do we have? We have Against the Dark Master. So I do a little bit of talk about the, um, the game that we're playing and the combat system. Following that, we have some call-ins that you might want to listen to. Um, the call-ins are obviously very good. Um, and we talk a little bit about... Um, well, the call-ins talk about uh, randomness and, and so on. And uh, that sort of then brings me to talking about uh, Warhammer Fantasy role-playing and uh, scripted adventures, scripted situations, uh, and so on, and how it's often difficult to, for me at least, to, to get my head around them um, and to know what parts of the script are off-limits to me as a player. Anyway, without more to do, let's listen. I had the good fortune to be invited for a playtest of Dex, a game by uh, being written by Darren Green. Uh, many of you who will know this know him to be the brother of uh, Colin Green, also known as Spike Pit. Um, the system um, is a, I guess you could call it a rules-light game that is player-focused. Um, I'm not going to go into definitions of rules-light beyond to say that it's sort of self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> the um, One of the uh, key features of the game is that... Try not to get run down here. <laughs> one of the key features of the game is that it uses cards instead of uh, dice. Um, you could see it as being uh, very much akin to a D20 system, I suppose. Well, that's probably the wrong name for it, but it does use a sort of like a, a random generation of numbers between one and 20 as um, a basis for resolving actions. But instead of using dice, what Darren has done is make it use cards instead. So you have a pool of, uh, well, to begin with, you generally have a pool of 20 cards. <clears throat> and uh, if you get involved in some action that requires um, random resolution or some kind of resolution, you draw from this pool of cards that you have, um, starting with 20, and gradually they deplete, right? As you use them and they're put into the discard pile. <clears throat> so what this means is whereas in a d20 system a standard d20 system if you're rolling um, high numbers there's no telling when you'll roll the next keep on rolling how many uh, how many high numbers you will be able to roll 
Jesus, it's a busy road. <laughs> I hope that made sense. There's no telling how many uh, 20s you will be able to roll. Uh, similarly, there's no telling how many uh, 1s and 2s and 3s and 4s and 5s that you might roll. Um, and in a game where the high numbers uh, win, you can have a, a bit of a miserable night, I suppose, if you keep on rolling low. Well, some people can. I, I tend to just laugh. Uh, but um, but that's not the only point of uh, Darren's card system. What he's doing really is um, he's combining he's combining um, attack rolls and damage rolls into one system. Uh, also, uh, also defense, I guess, into a card system. So um, it can be resolved by pulling. A, drawing a card when you have to defend yourself or when you have to attack when you wish to attack now hmm, okay so uh, how better to go on and explain this uh, there are a number of attributes uh, I believe there are four attributes I'm not going to go oh, I can't recall them off the top of my head um, but instead of having the six attributes of uh, D&D sort of combined um Charisma, wisdom, and intelligence into into mind, I believe, and then you have um, stats that are more or less equivalent to constitution, dexterity, and strength. Uh, sorry, Darren, if I haven't been able to record this, I'm I'm out walking, as you can tell. Now, those stats are organised. Um, that is, you you choose whether you have a zero, a plus one, or a minus one in your stats. Um, and you do that, I guess you you assign one plus one, one minus one, and everything else is zero to those four stats. Um, that's it for character generation. It's not random at all. Um, it was not it for character generation, but generation of uh, ability scores. Uh, another interesting feature... Uh, wherever you have notes. Oh my goodness, it's like there's like a whole bunch of turtles on the uh, stone in the river today. There's like six of them on the best point, and there's a, a seventh turtle in the deep, in the depths, uh, waiting for his turn to climb up. Anyway, let us continue. Oh, I see another, another turtle downstream. Oh no. Yep, yep, that's a turtle. <laughs> oh, they're really enjoying the sun today. Oh, uh, Back to Dex. Uh, yeah, another interesting feature of Dex is that you choose your combat style. So you have a wild style, or a which is a, a reckless, uh, perhaps a reckless form of uh, combat. You may have a cautious um, attack style or uh, combat style. And what these do is they change the deck. Hence the name Dex. Uh, they change which deck you use. Um, with a cautious style there tends to be uh, a greater chance of hitting and defending but the effects of uh, the hit will tend to be uh, less dramatic than if you were to have adopted a wild style now it's important to note that these styles these combat styles are chosen at the beginning of the game now whether they can change due to some kind of uh, alteration in your character's 
character's um, approach to life or whatever. I, I, I am not sure, but uh, but it could be a, um, a one-time choice or perhaps it's something that the GM allows players to change at, at given points uh, in character in, in character um, not development but as the game develops I guess <clears throat> so you have the cards as I said there's a main number between 1 and 20 there's also these little numbers which I failed to uh, explain previously in the top right corner and the bottom left corner I, I, I think top right being for attack and the bottom right uh, left being for defence your defence value so you've got this deck and uh you're drawing out the cards and gradually because you know what's left in the deck right as you draw out the cards now this is where really interesting feature of the game comes in because uh whereas as i mentioned the 20 is entirely uh random and and uh unpredictable with your deck you know which cards you've drawn and used you can see them and you also know which cards are left to be played. So there comes a point where you, where you, you know, you may be drawing low cards, but you know there's big cards coming up. Um, and so you can sort of plan your activities based around that. Um, another point wherever you have note, I think, is that um, as uh, you may get to a point where you think, well, I've drawn there's more negative negative there's more lower value cards left in the deck than there are higher value cards so it's time to throw them all back in again um uh, at which point yeah you throw you put the cards back in again and uh you ha- i believe you have to do that before stating your actions for that round or whatever so you you throw the cards back in again and then it gets all mixed up it all becomes more random once again so that's an interesting feature another point um is that uh certain certain events or certain terrains or effects of monsters or magical items uh, um, mean that a result in an extra card being inserted into your deck um so for example if you find uh, a magical item you might get another number i got some boots of speed or something i think it gave me another number 16 i think with its own special kind of uh, defense and attack values um i think that's how it's worked it may have been a bit more complicated than that uh, other cards would be things like um special monster effect cards so if that comes up depending on what the monster is that their special attack or special defense uh, is triggered so you'll get things like a bear hug or, or i don't know um, terrible um roar that uh, p- paralyzes you you know freezes you in your in your boots so all of these features these 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 extra cards are added as you find items or as the uh the story unfolds the gm will uh add the cards uh depending on the terrain or the monsters as i said um so that's a really interesting feature uh and obviously you can 
create cards, I guess, and effects, or you can have them have it very simple uh, and just um, um, keep it as a sort of a well. The one I saw was the monster effect card, which could be used to cover any monster effect. So um, I'm not sure how clear that is, but that's the the general features of uh, Darren's game. If you get the chance to to join his playtest, um, the 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 adventure will be designed around the idea of of uh, testing out certain features, different uh, circumstances, and features of the game, combats and uh, skills and uh, and so on. Um, so I do urge you to uh, to uh, try it out because it's quite unlike quite unlike any other kind of role playing game um, based entirely on luck and and character skills uh, have a think about it I failed to mention of course that Darren can be uh, contacted on the uh, on the uh, anchor discord that's uh, what's the damn thing called <laughs> the, the, the uh, dungeon the audio dungeon that's the one audio dungeon discord he's on that um, and if you listen to the anchor podcast uh, by Spike Pit his brother then no doubt you'll be able to uh, contact him through there as well I'm sure Spike Pit wouldn't mind you contacting him Spike Pit, I, I believe, is on Twitter as well. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, I'll add some notes, show notes, and you can, you can uh, find out ways of contacting him. Again, as I said, um, don't be put off by the, uh, the, the, the fact that there are no dice in this game and it's all based on cards. Um, Darren has done a, a really good job of using a virtual... Um, uh, board game uh, tabletop putting the cards up on there and it works rather nicely um, we didn't have too many problems we had an issue with one player but it was easy enough to for Darren to uh, to operate the cards from his point and to allow a a visual display to be you know put up on the general channel so yeah um, it, it does it does give you a lot more um, strategic options than would be available uh, using a D20 because you're able to sort of um, pace yourself and that. One thing I did, I, I chose a cautious build, um, sort of thiefy type, and also I put my uh, highest stats in dexterity with a low might but one of the problems I ran up against was that uh, I didn't choose the skill that allowed me to fire into into hand-to-hand combat to aim shots into hand-to-hand combat without uh, any disastrous effect I just saw a kingfisher whizzing down the river beautiful bright sort of iridescent green turquoise greenish color Um, anyway um, yes so that was a my my mistake but what i did because in hand-to-hand combat i tend to do i i was uh, i had a minus one 
No, I haven't, I haven't mentioned the effect of the uh, stats, have I? So I should probably go into that here. If you have a plus, uh, plus one, you get to draw two cards if you wish and choose the more um, advantageous one or the one that you prefer to use play in that situation. Whereas the opposite is true if you have a minus one, uh, meaning that you must um, draw two cards and draw the least advantageous one, use the least advantageous one to resolve the um, resolve the ability uh, check that you're doing, whether it's an attack or whatever. Um, so in the case of attacks, I was always at a disadvantage because of my lowest strength. I'd be able to get in there, but yeah, you always... You know, if you draw a 13 and a 3, you've got to use the 3. Um, it's a good way of getting them out of play quickly. But, yeah, it does put you at a, a bit of a disadvantage because you can't play quite so uh, strategically. However, um, it's a very interesting feature. So, yeah, I would have been better off um, taking this thing that allowed me to fire shots into hand-to-hand. Um, and with my dexterity advantage, I would then have... The ability to draw two cards and use the most advantageous one, which would, uh, you know, obviously also not only increase my chances to hit, but the chances of uh, higher levels of damage. Um, so I think that covers uh, that aspect. Yeah. So when you're drawing, you're drawing abilities or choosing your abilities. Um, I guess it is. It's uh, important to to. Sort of balance those things out but uh, what I did because I ran up against that sort of um, that 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 uh, problem which was you know largely due to me not really knowing how to build an optimal or optimal character what I was able to do was to to aid others in the party uh, and by aiding them I gave them a slight advantage like a plus one or something onto whatever they were trying to achieve which is quite really good for them and it also means that while you uh, uh, independently you could act but it may not be so such a great chance of succeeding and in fact you might have a very negative result in such cases by using your action to to uh, aid others you're still being, uh, you're still acting, you're able to act uh, in a um, effective manner uh, and as a group overcome obstacles that otherwise may be difficult uh, to, to do so individually. Uh, I've definitely missed out a bunch of things. I'm probably going to have to come back to this. And I think that's one of the points is that we will be doing a, I hope, hopefully we'll be doing a second playtest, um, possibly at a medium, a middle, mid-level of play, and then perhaps a, a higher level of play to see how things change uh, at higher levels. Um, so yeah, that's, a, that's an important thing. Um, one thing I did not mention is that uh, when you're fighting multiple opponents, uh, as we found in you find in other games, um, including against the Dark Master, which is another story, um, you do have. What can I say? 
you do have this uh, situation where you're at a massive disadvantage because um, once you're fighting more than one opponent your chances of survival are drastically reduced and that's something that Darren's put in the game so at first it does appear to be uh, much easier than it is in fact it's quite a difficult game um, it's very easy to to uh, to find yourself in a position that's sort of unrecoverable especially if you're a bunch of uh, um, opponents gang up on you um, but all in all yeah we had a great time uh, and as I said yeah if you get the chance contact Darren play the game uh, he'll be thrilled um, because there is this tendency to to uh, avoid his game or this game because of its uh, slightly uh, unusual uh, makeup uh, do not avoid it play it okay enough We had our second session of Against the Dark Master this week. Um, whereas the first session had been uh, very much uh, role-playing and background-oriented, this time we actually got into the action. Uh, it started off not too good. Um, I fired a few shots from the uh, watchtower uh, at the the uh, king's forces that included orcs um, that had... Uh, were harassing the villages uh, of the settlements that we were in. <clears throat> totally missed. Um, and Jason has kind of gone over a lot of these things, so I won't go into the details. Um, we, uh, I guess the, the point was, well, we were obviously, again, we're trying out the system to see how it works. Um, in the situation, we were kind of out, very much outnumbered. And uh, the idea, I guess, was to escape and to and to protect the uh, villagers, maybe help them escape, and to set up the the mini campaign uh, idea that we're we are uh, renegades, um, driven by desperation uh, because the the king is uh, you know corrupt and uh, and that uh, and he's using these uh, forces to to tyrannize the tyrannize the population so <clears throat> um, hmm, game wise um, or event wise I guess like drama wise it was uh, quite interesting uh, it's very it swung one way to the other so um, Darren was actually playing in this game too Darren um, who uh, is devising the Dex role playing system and he was playing a dwarf um as has already been noted, uh, he was doing pretty well at first uh, until <clears throat> while he was trying to parry, one of the orcs got a blow in um, and uh, cut off four of his uh, fingers, pretty much all his fingers on his left hand. Now he uses two-handed weapons, so that meant that he basically could no longer use his uh, main weapon, which was this big maul, two-handed maul. Um, about the same time, I finally caught up with him because um, I managed to dispatch my opponent through quite a bit of uh, luck, getting some lucky hits in and uh, cutting, up, cutting his belly up pretty badly so he was bleeding out and I just left him stunned. Um, 
which was really uh, handy, t- good timing, considering Darren's character's uh, situation. And I, yeah, well, I charged straight into combat as soon as I could get close enough. And because Darren had already sort of really beat them up pretty badly, and they were both his opponents were bleeding seriously. Um, yeah, I got in a few shots, and uh, you know enough to to take them down. Really, <clears throat> they were just uh, in such a bad situation, hit points wise, that uh, my 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 uh, not so great attack um, paid off, and I escaped the the battle with only like three hit points damage out of well, I think I've got ninety hit points. So I was extremely lucky. Didn't take any crits. Darren, not so lucky. Um, what do I think of the system? Well, it is very, very similar to Middle Earth role-playing with some uh, major uh, tweaks and differences. Um, we haven't come across... You know, obviously, we only did combat this time. We'll be focusing more on the tra- travel rules, which are very different from MERP. But uh, MERP, Middle Earth role-playing... Uh, is quite similar to Against the Dark Master. Against the Dark Master, this new game does... Oh, God, so much noise now. Please bear with me. Here's, here's the ambulance. I better pause. Anyway, I had to stop recording there because uh, just so much crazy noise. As you can hear, uh, not far from that point, it's very quiet, actually, you know, just off the main roads. Uh, bird singing yeah very nice spring afternoon well early afternoon midday so where was i uh, we we're talking about against the dark master and how the the first uh the second rather the second um, uh, episode of our adventures was very much a combat um affair there were spells um one of the players run by barry a t- GM's shadow uh, is a spellcaster, and he managed to cast out, uh, cast successfully, cast some sleep spells. Um, so that that was uh, interesting. Spell casting works for those of you uh, who are not familiar with Middle Earth, with Middle Earth role playing or role master or any games like that. Works with a base skill which you roll. You roll a d percentile, add the base skill on. And you're trying to achieve um, higher levels of success. Oh, actually, it's not. A, it's not a. It's not a passive uh, skill roll. It's not a skill roll table. So, oh, you you roll. You're trying to roll high, and the higher the roll, um, remembering that they're explode. They're not quite exploding dice, but they're they're open ended dice rolls. The add on, if you roll above ninety six on the deep percentile, it keeps on stacking. Um, and higher the roll, the um, greater the uh, effects of the spell. So a low roll will mean that either the spell does not work or there'll be a, uh, a significant uh, bonus to the opponent's saving throw. Alternatively, a high roll means that they will get a big penalty to the saving throw. So that's how the, the, the spells work, or at least the... Uh, non-offensive kind of spells things that aren't like fireballs and so on work um, the combat sp- combat spells uh, work very sim very similar to the combat system in general um, and that's something i can talk more about because i'm more familiar with it 
so combat uh, again operates it like everything else but on the D percentile with uh, very low rolls um, imploding if you like <laughs> uh, negatively and uh, very high rolls of 96 plus exploding uh, positively um, what this means is in general your attacks will be you know of average um, effect uh, um, and uh, but there will occasionally be uh, extreme sort of variation so even with a low skill you can get in some amazing lucky shots uh, how does this really work is it a simple case of to hit and damage well no um, what happens is you have certain weapon types so for that, let's say for example you're using a one-handed slashing weapon well that has its own table it sounds very complicated right but it's not so complicated but you do need those tables out uh, in front of you and preferably in front of everybody you know so everybody has some tables so everybody um, takes responsibility for um, for cross-referencing tables now what this set may sound like a lot of work but actually it has a very some very strong uh, advantages over typical um, combat systems what I really like is the fact that uh, each so you have a column with the the number of, of the attack and in general let's say it goes up to about 150 and um, you'll tend to you know get a if you're lucky you'll be getting somewhere between 80 um, <laughs> Uh, or higher, you know, 80s, 110s, 120s and stuff like that, depending on your combat ability, which will be added onto the D percentile roll. It's not really a D percentile, is it? It's a uh, D100 roll. Um, it's not a percentile system. So, um, the enemies, the uh, so you add your, your combat ability, which is called the offensive bonus, at least it is in uh, Middle Earth role playing. Uh, apologies to against the Dark Master for not remembering the exact language here. Um, and the from that is taken the defensive bonus. This is the most simple uh, example. There are other th cases uh, where there will be additions or penalties depending on, say, your health condition or the terrain advantages and so on. Uh, even weapons will add or subtract from that. So uh, the defense bonus is based on swiftness, uh, the skill, which is kind of like in the old game would have been agility, and also shields. So shields subtract from, uh, are added onto defense bonus, and as a result, they're taken away from any attack. And of course, if, um, if you're smart, you'll put a certain amount of your skill into parrying or defense so if you've got a combat skill of 70 you might opt to put 35 into defense and leaving 35 and that would be against one attack and leaving 35 for your own attack uh, that 35 that you put into parrying or defense goes on to your defense bonus so you can choose round from round to round uh, how defensive you wish to be um, this is of use when, say, you stun an opponent. 
when there's no chance of them attacking you, there's no point of you putting a, anything on defense, unless, of course, you're defending against multiple opponents. So you can then do an all-out attack and press your attack. Um, it has a very realistic uh, flow uh, to it, and there's a lot of strategy um, attached to. And, of course, the randomness of the dice mean that you're never really exactly sure how much defen how defensive you really need to be. So back to the t these tables. So you've got down one column, you've got the numbers, but you also have um, some more columns which are based on whether you're not uh, not armored, whether you're lightly armored, moderately armored, or heavily armored. Um, and so that bladed weapons have their own table, and in general, it'll be more difficult to hit. Uh, so you, to hit a uh, an opponent with uh, no armor or lighter armor, and easier to hit people with heavier armor which is counterintuitive if you're coming from a dungeon seems counterintuitive anyway if you're coming from a dungeons and dragons background um, but this balances out in the fact that the damage that you're taking is much lower generally if you're heavily armored um, these are like bashes and bruises more than anything and also the chance of the critical um, being reflected into the role in the roles is reduced so if you're wearing um, no armor or lighter armors the chances of you also taking a, a critical in addition to uh, damage is higher and the severity of the critical will be higher so you know there are lighter levels of criticals and heavier levels of criticals um, if you're wearing heavier armor the chances of um, taking um, any degree of critical damage is much reduced so that's one role to to hit and damage it's all combined and that's a real strength and also it um, reflects realistically the way that bladed weapons are not so effective against heavy armored opponents but uh, bludgeoning weapons are um, it also affects the way that piercing weapons operate against these different types of damage, uh, armor. So it's something I, I really like. Um, it, it changes the dynamics where in many games like D&D, &D, uh, unless you're using the old first edition rules, which modify based on armor, which are very cumbersome indeed, there's no point of you ever taking a mace or a hat war hammer unless you're a cleric. Or unless that weapon is um, magical in some way, uh, the other weapons always are better. You know, the, there's no doubt about it. It's always better to have a long sword in D and D for damage output. Um, um, of course, there are there are many other factors you have to bear in mind in Merp. So it may be better to have a lighter weapon, even a long sword. In fact, uh, if not used two-handed, gives you a minus ten on your offensive bonus and uh, so when you're using it with a shield you're getting that minus 10 um, which you wouldn't be getting if you were using it two-handed so again you've got to think well perhaps I should be using something a little bit lighter maybe a short sword anyway that's uh, getting a little bit too complicated but yeah you have this table to hit everything's combined except where you cause one of your crits and the crits depending on the severity give you a, a roll on a d100 and higher higher severities give you a bonus onto that roll uh, and um, 
These can result in stuns, uh, extra damage, bleeding, broken bones, uh, torn ligaments, uh, severe damage really. Uh, and sometimes, um, as I've mentioned, um, severed, uh, severed limbs. Um, so, yes, combat is uh, is quite um, dangerous. It's quite a um, quite a thing to get into. Something you really want to avoid, or if you are getting into combat, you want to stack the chips in your favour. Um, how does uh, against the Dark Master compare to say Middle Earth role playing game? Well, uh, the tables are somewhat simplified. And the, as are the uh, crit results, crit tables. Um, they're they're not as funny uh, as some of the crits in Middle Earth role playing, but there's less space being taken up with these tables. The tables are much more concise, um, a little bit easier to use at the table, I think. Um, uh, I think the last point I really want to talk about today um, is that. Um, Oh, it's gone out of my mind. <laughs> but the last thing I really want to talk about, yes, yes, is is the is the um, the the ease of reference of the system, and that's something that really came up when we were playing on on Wednesday. Was that because we we're using the PDFs, the it was quite difficult to flip through. Uh, we really didn't have the anything any of the charts printed out. We didn't have the DM screen um, printed out. So that kind of um, caused some difficulties as we were flipping all through the book. Uh, in some cases, m- most of the charts are in the right place, you know, for the combat. But there's cases where there are modifiers, um, situational modifiers for skills or skill tables that are in completely different areas. So something we've all decided to do is to print out the, the key tables that we need and everybody... GM and players included, having these tables in front of us um, so we can reference them and feel less kind of uh, on edge. I think that's something that affected the GM, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, I think he was getting a little bit frustrated by having to reference the, or the these rules, which in some cases vary, are uh, different from uh, Middle-earth role-playing. Uh, and not having it there, you know, not having it there in front of him. Not, not, not. So um, I think he felt some frustration um, being responsible for running a running the rules uh, as correctly uh, as possible, and at the same time not really knowing the rules and us not really knowing the rules either as players. And on top of that, yeah, this, this difficulty of uh, referencing them. Uh, so we'll be a little bit more ready for that next time. Um, all in all, um, what do I? What's my impression? Well, um, I think um, the characters aren't as overpowered as I thought. The the, the skill bonuses and stuff, the uh, ability score bonuses are much higher than in middle level role playing. But um, the enemies are sufficiently powerful too that it seems to balance out reasonably well. For what for what I see. Um, yeah, so um, I really got into it. We went well over time uh, in the last combat, uh, largely because we were doing a lot of talking, um, discussing the rules and having little breaks, discussions. Um, but I got really sucked into it. I really, obviously, I mean, 
uh, I don't think it's merely nostalgia, it could be, but I, I, I really do like the combat system for this game, um, because um, you really don't know which way combat's going to swing. Um, it's quite something, yeah, it's really quite something. Um, and it doesn't come down to a single role either. There's a lot of um, decisions on how much, how defensive you want to be. Um, if you've got initiative, maybe you want to throw everything into a, a, a hard attack, you know, full attack without it leaving anything for your def defense. Try to get in a lucky blow that will stun them. And then, you know, keep the momentum running with you. And that's something that's uh, quite exciting you know, uh, similarly, you might want to um, stall and put loads into defence and see if you can, you, your friends can come to your aid. Uh, so, uh, looking forward to the next session of that, where we hope to try out the travelling rules and also, um, well, some healing because uh, one of the characters lost all his fingers and he's going to have to switch to one-handed weapons now. Um, because he's yeah he's pretty much maimed for life in his first uh, combat <laughs> um, yeah and uh, hopefully uh, try some leveling uh, we're going to do a little bit of leveling and then probably bring the characters up to mid level uh, for the session after that one and see what mid level play feels like but um, thank you to um, GM Shadow uh, Barry. Uh, who played also to Darren um, Darren Green who who played the dwarf uh, also of course uh, thanks to Jason of RPG Variety Cast Nerds RPG Variety Cast for um, running this for um, going get, keep continuing on with it even though he felt a little bit frustrated and bogged down with all the these rules that he's uh, unfamiliar with and books that he's unfamiliar with um, of course, I yeah. Why not? Um, thank you to uh, um, against the Dark Master for um, creating this game. Uh, we did notice a lot of um, typos um, in the uh, PDFs that we were using, but we found out that the uh, the new um, the PDFs have actually been updated. So all we need to do is actually update our PDFs, and we're good to. Uh, that they should be uh, mostly uh, addressed. Um, hopefully, they've been able to address them in the print. So I'm not quite sure about that, but um, that that was actually I got that information directly from from uh, against the Dark Master when I was uh, commenting about the game uh, on Twitter. So they um, they're obviously you know watching Twitter, social media, um, attending to. Uh, criticisms um, and and praise uh, and uh, uh, trying to address the the issues that are coming up which is a great thing um, and it's something that I think smaller companies and fan bases seem to do a lot better than the larger ones um, the the criticisms that we have aren't uh, so academic or philosophical as much as they're more focused on rules and the kind the game that we're um well we're heightening the uh, the the uh, enjoyment of the game as as it's supposed to be played rather than it trying to reimagine the game uh, in some different fashion 
so uh yeah thank you to uh against the dark master for um putting this freaking huge game together and that's one of the things i would point out is um uh, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad idea to break this into two volumes at some point in the future as well because it's just from what i see even if you get the print if you even if you get the uh print version it's a massive tome <laughs> um, um having two or three volumes is isn't always a, a good thing in my estimation but um if you're talking about you know um, rules books that are over 500 pages long then sometimes yeah splitting them down into um i don't know monsters and treasure or player character gem rules player character generation uh, gm rules that, that can that can help um people locate stuff uh, during play as well as make it lighter a lighter thing to port around uh, port around so anyway uh, that's that's that And now for a couple of calls from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast and from John Alan Large of Red Dice Diaries. Hey Jason here. Alarms and Excursions by Lee Gold is what you're thinking of. You can get all the Alarms and Excursions on PDF, by the way, legally by ordering them from her. Um, it's like $2 a copy, so you're going to need I don't know, six, seven hundred dollars to get them all, but you can get them. So they're they're out there. You can legally purchase. Um, you can either get on PDF download or on a DVD. So alarms and excursions. Okay, back to the podcast. Thanks for the call, in Jason. I think I mentioned that in an addendum that it was alarms and excursions, but it's one of these names that just doesn't pop out, does it? Especially the given the old medieval expelling of alarms. Um, I don't think I could part with six hundred or seven hundred dollars for the for you know reprints of this, but uh, if it was available at a really reasonable price on PDF, and by reasonable I mean as you know like in in reasonable packages, I might be interested in having a look. Otherwise, nah, I don't think so. Probably uh, if there was a particular item that I was of. Uh, or issue that I was interested in for sort of uh, historical reasons or something, yeah, I think I would take a look because obviously it is a very important part of uh, role-playing history um, and had a very large influence on the development of alternative uh, game systems to Dungeons and Dragons. But um, yeah, anyway, cheers for the information. Hey there, Rob, it's John here from the Red Dice Diaries. Just been listening to your latest episode. Very much enjoyed it, so thank you very much for that. And I particularly enjoyed the bit where you were talking about, you know, people trying to sort of minimise the um, how much chance affects it, you know, trying to do anything to avoid a dice roll, because let's face it, that's how you end up failing things. And we had this in my recent session, so a couple of days gone of my old school essentials campaign where the party confronted a roper now these things are pretty nasty they're not affected by mundane items when he had like two out of the four members of the party had magic weapons and he's got these tentacles that he can shoot out which do you no damage but they like constrict you and pull you towards it and once you get level with it it's got a pretty feisty amount of damage it can deal with its bite 
one player character was already down having been bitten in half by this creature another had been dragged to its more and was down to i think about two hit points so the player sort of looking at um, the status character was in was like right i've got to hit this creature tentacle with my enchanted sword and do it five hit points of damage to sever the tentacle so i can run away from this thing because if it bites me again i am brown bread and then he turned to me and obviously wanting to minimize the chance that he'd miss with that because that's game over if he does it was like is there any chance i can actually cut through my own foot using this magic sword without making a dice roll and after thinking for a few moments i was like yeah, sure. It's a flaming sword, sort of cauterized the wound. And I had to make a quick rolling, so I said, you're going to have a couple of rounds, but then you will drop to zero HP because of the, the shock of cutting your own foot off. So he did that, and one of his companions was able to like drag him to safety, and they bugged out. So there the player would obviously recognize that there's a risk of failure if I try and chop this tentacle, and then I'm dead. So what can I do to minimize randomness? But I thought that was if slightly gruesome example of what you were talking about. Anyway, I'm going to get back to listening to the last few moments of the episode. As I say, very much enjoyed it. Thanks very much, dude. Take care, and I'll catch you soon. I do like that example, John. I think um, uh, people could get the wrong impression that we we don't want randomness in the game, and that's not the case, is it? I think all of us, or many of us indeed, really like the random nature of our old school games but at the same time we want ways to deal with those that randomness so we don't want the plot to be completely uh, devised or, or set in stone um, we want it to be uh, unexpected because not only the players but the gms want to be surprised with the outcomes of things uh, um, whether it's the, the, the story that's emerging, uh, encounters that are happening, or the, the results of combat or actions. We don't want it to be scripted. Um, but at the same time, um, we do want to have the ability to use our minds to find uh, alternatives to uh, certain actions that appear to be... Uh, uh, prohibitively uh, dangerous or punishing or, or in some way skew the results um, by using um, using well our wits or our knowledge of the way that things are turning out and uh, yeah uh, it's it's um, it's an interesting um, balance um, so this in what we what we like from the randomness and then accepting having accepted that the random nature of um, our gaming universe, uh, how much power we then should have to exert on the game. Uh, sorry, it's not very well, uh, I've not really defined it or, or clarified what I want to say very well there, but um, perhaps um, it, it's best exemplified by the two games that I mentioned at the head of this episode, the, the first one being Dex by Darren Green uh, in this You've got a, a deck and you can see what cards you've played, but you don't know what the other cards are uh, as it's all been shuffled. But you know by counting your cards, as it were, roughly what's left in the deck. And you can then make decisions um, based on what is likely 
to come up, come into play, right? And you can also make um, decisions based on, well, I'm not very good in combat, so I can, I'll, instead I'll forego my action and I'll help uh, another player to gain um, some kind of uh, advantage instead. These kind of things, I think, are, are really good. Um, and they, they, they help, yeah, there's an element of randomness, but there's also other choices. Um, uh, might be one more example. Um, in Wuthrup, we played Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. We're doing the fourth edition. We played that with uh, the Games Master Tristan yesterday. And um, in Wuthrup uh, adventures, like as in many adventures, uh, the, the, the encounters are all fully... Um, um, fully prepared and, and written... There's not nothing random there, and the reactions of the NPCs to the players are very much seem to, or at least they seem to be to me, uh, carved into stone. The initial reactions, and it's it's kind of like um, the enemy within campaign and the campaign that we did we've been playing before that, which was um, well, we, it was the rough nights, hard days, uh, material. It's like well. This is what's happening. Get out of that, and you've got well. You've got to look at your character sheet and think, how am I gonna and and use your wits and think, how am I gonna get out of that? And and often for me, like last night, it seems that the odds are kind of against you, and it's like, um, you know, well, we didn't even want to get into the situation. Why do we have to get out of it? You know, we didn't even have a choice of getting into the situation, and it's always. Um, something that you couldn't have, you can't avoid. Um, the, what you really, and what um, Graham Davis or other, these other um, creators of adventures for uh, Warhammer Fantasy role playing are are doing, it seems to me anyway, are oh, this is the situation you've been pushed into. Can you stop it from getting any worse, or can you de-escalate it? And I find that quite um, frustrating. Sometimes this is not a uh, a complaint. I I love the system Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and I like the adventures, but it does always seem that and that you've been kind of set up, um, and and as a as an old school role player, um, who who likes things to sort of unfold uh, unexpectedly for everybody including the GM, um, that can be kind of frustrating. Last night I asked the GM, Tristan, um, well, is there any way of getting out of this? You know, it's two complete meta questions because um, it seems that uh, the way that we're often being baited is, um, is kind of odd in a, in a role-playing game. Because you're you're always being insulted or baited, uh, and the odds are always against you in 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 Wuthrup. And the initial reaction of an adventurer um, in a game where you know violence is is a perfectly acceptable solution to any problem is to say, "Well, screw this! I'm gonna, you know, stick a glass in the guy's face or something. You know, use violence to to overcome violence." Um, and in many cases, doing so will end up it will end up very badly 
in Wolfrup because it's a very social game as well as being unfair. It's a very unfair um, world. Um, and you can't just go around killing people, obviously. Um, certainly not people of a certain status. Um, um, so, yeah, um, that's something I think I find myself falling into with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I'm not sure if, if uh, this, if this, how well this gels with the conversation, but yeah, I find that like I'm. It, it, do I have any other options? You know, what are the options open to me, or is it all down to a dice roll? Because you're always coming up against some thug or something who's well ahead of you. They're all. Every opponent I come up against is much better combat combatant than me. Um, so what are you supposed to do, you know? Um, well, if you can rely on luck, and it, but it'll only get you so far because the random nature of things is always set against you. If, the, you know, um, if your values of your stats are lower than the other person's, or do you just take it, um, throw money at it, run away all the time? Um, it's a it's a tricky situation, um, and this isn't run like a D and D dungeon where you can just run away from a room or or sneak into an oven and steal some gold. It it's um, the 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 encounters are the adventure, uh, and so it's often very difficult to understand in such a rigidly um, created adventure what the solution is supposed to be. Um, the solution that doesn't have you ending up in jail or being having your arm cut off or something. So, mm, so yeah, uh, interesting thoughts. Anyway, thank you so much for the call-ins from Jason of RP, uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, of course, and to John of Red Dice Diaries. Um, sorry, I hope I did not uh, derail your call and uh, sort of uh, switch that over to the uh, Wolfrup game. Well, I, I did, but hopefully it wasn't entirely uh, unrelated and uh, you'll forgive me for that. Also, um, Tristan, if you're listening, this is, of course, not a, a criticism of uh, Wolfrup or your uh, GMing of the campaign, which I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, it's more of a, a case of trying to trying to sort of get my head around the kind of game that we're playing and squaring it with with you know the expectations um, that I have of of games um, uh, and a playstyle. I guess you know it's, it's certainly not a criticism, um, but it, it it it's it does make me think a lot how it's odd in some ways that um, games like Wolfrip or maybe Call of Cthulhu have such ample rules at least Wolfrip does on on fighting you know uh, fighting combat and, and so on and, and yet at the same time it seems that the adventurers spend half the time the the adventures spend half the time scripting situations where you cannot use violence, which is kind of um, odd, really. It's sort of like an old D and D adventure where you you give everybody the chance to level up and get all these different abilities and spells, 
at the beginning of the adventure you say you cannot use any of these adventure uh, abilities or spells because you know otherwise it would be too easy right um, and that raises the point as others have um, mentioned before that if you're going to do that then surely the the system should reflect the expectations or should it reflect the adventures that you the adventure styles that are being uh, written that is to say if the game is a social game like Wufrup and you're supposed to sort of um, think your way around various problems and stuff uh, and engage in certain activities then le- leaving up to the adventurers and to the rules of combat etc is probably the wrong way to go around it um, be- better still would be to sort of like to have a, a narrative style uh, approach and take skills and uh, combat sort of out of the equation and have them them as incidental to the adventure um, but I don't know I, I, I ramble um, hmm, yeah script scripted adventures um, I think are very problematic and it seems most adventures are so thoroughly scripted And that's about as much we have time for today. So thank you so much to you, the listener, for listening. As always, um, thank you to Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast for his call-in and also for running against the Dark Master for us. Thank you to Darren Green for allowing us to playtest a Dex role-playing game system. And I look forward to playing uh, more sessions of that. Cheers, man. And uh, I suppose finally, I think finally, uh, thank you to... Um, oh, ah. Oh no! Uh, yes, uh, thank you to John, John of uh, Red Dice Diaries, for um, an interesting call about the random natures of uh, role-playing games and uh, what we can do to 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 swing the randomness uh, around in our favour. Before I forget, I'd like to thank uh, Tristan, as always, for uh, taking part in the uh, Wednesday. Old School Essentials uh, D&D night that we have going and also for running all the games that he does run on Saturdays and the occasional on Sundays uh, some of which I take part in uh, he, he he runs the Why Am I Fancy role playing game also and uh, last but not least uh, thank you to all the people who took part in the uh, Dex game I didn't mention them uh, run, going in that game um playing in that game with me sorry there's lots of background noise playing in that game with me was uh, Dave Aldridge or the D percentile um, he hadn't been playing for some weeks uh, and I've never played with him before so that was a wonderful opportunity and I also got the chance to play with Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands Spencer also actually um, recorded his thoughts on the Dicks uh, game that we the Dex playtest that we did, so I'll add his uh, show t- to the show notes. Anyway, thank you so much. Take care, and uh, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>